Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hello, all you lovely listeners out there. Welcome to another amazing new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. And trust me, I am not kidding when I say amazing because this is one of my favorite interviews. Uh, The lovely and very talented Margaret Carey is joining me today. Now, her name may not sound familiar, but I guarantee you guys have seen her because she was the one and only official model for Tinkerbell. From the 1953 animated movie. Tinkerbell. Tank. Come here. You're charged with high treason, Tank. Are you guilty or not guilty? Guilty? Don't you know you might have killed her? Tinkerbell. I hereby banish you forever. So for those who may not be familiar with it, they actually use a reference model to get, you know, the movements down from all the animated characters from the old Disney movies. And so she, of course, was Tinkerbell. And you find out that she was so much more than just the model for Tinkerbell. I mean, she gave her the personality that we see on the screen. She gave her that spunky personality that we all love. But something you may not even know is that she actually voiced a character in the Peter Pan movie. She was the redhead mermaid from Peter Pan. Hello, Peter! Did you miss me? Oh, I've always liked that one. And in her nightdress, too. And so, of course, she has amazing, amazing stories to tell about her time on the Disney set. A lot of great stories about Walt Disney himself. A lot of great stories about Mark Davis, one of the greatest Disney animators of all time. And a lot of amazing Hollywood stories. I mean, she worked on Little Rascals, She worked with the Three Stooges. She worked with Marilyn Monroe. And I'm not kidding when I say she is one of the sweetest ladies I've ever chatted with. One more quick thing about Margaret. She has an amazing book for sale that has so many more stories that we talk about even during our interview. So make sure to go check that out. I will put all the links on our website, on the show notes for this podcast and everything, or just go to her website. It's at TinkerbellTalks.com. And I want to give a quick shout out and thank you to the guys at CelebWorks. This episode is dedicated to you guys. If you guys are looking to book any talented celebrities for your convention, check out CelebWorks. Just go to CelebWorks.com. They represent so many amazing people. Margaret Carey is one of them. So go check them out. Also, make sure to check out our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Please go follow us on YouTube. We have a, a great YouTube show where I unbox and review old toys from the 80s and 90s. I think you guys are really going to love that. I also have a big announcement to make. I am going to be appearing at the uh, LA Comic Con October 26th, 27th, and 28th. And I need your guys' help. You guys always hear me talking about Patreon and that kind of stuff. Well, that is where you can help me out with this convention. All July long, we're doing a promotion on Patreon where if you choose the uh, $2 donation a month option, 
you automatically are enrolled in the $5 per month that I was offering earlier. This is only for July, so make sure to sign up today in July. And as long as you keep donating each month, you will stick with the $2 option, but getting the $5 perks, which is your name mentioned on the podcast, your name featured after every one of the unboxing videos that I mentioned a minute ago, and of course your name on our website and podcast notes for every episode. And if you don't want to do monthly, we also have an option on there where you can just give one lump sum. If you want to help us out, that really will help. Just go to our donation tab on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com, and you'll see all the options right there. But again, I want to give another thanks to the guys Neri and Chris over at CelebWorks. You guys are awesome. You guys represent one amazing lady with Margaret Carey. So here is my interview. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, I'm ready. I'm ready. Good. So am I. I'm excited. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what can I tell you? Well, what can I do? I'll just sit back and you ask me questions. <laughs> I love that. Now, when I, I met you for the first time last summer at the uh, D23 Expo, and I must say, you were just full of energy, just full of just love. I loved it so much. Oh, thank you. I, that's the way I feel. It's a blessing. Everybody out of my way. Here I come. <laughs> and I'm so glad I bought the book that you were selling of your life because I, I read through that and you have amazing, amazing stories. Aren't they fun? And I have 31 left over. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, when you get to be, I'm in my 90th year. And so there, some things better have happened to you in 90 years, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> now, before you were a model for Tinkerbell, were you a big fan of Disney movies or Disney shorts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, everybody was. I mean, I don't know of a person who wouldn't say, oh, they're my favorites. Uh, even even the young boys, they would, uh, you know, there's a cartoon going on. Of course, that's what we call them, mm-hmm. the cartoons, mm-hmm. not the feature length, of course. But the feature length came in, what? What was the first one? Snow White? was Yes. So I was 10 years old. I mean, the idea of a movie going and going to be all cartoony, that's what we would call it, was so exciting, I can't tell you. And then we were scared from the witch, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But all came out well, and you just sort of knew with Disney you could trust it like you could trust Perry Mason. You can watch his show, (laughs) and he's in court every week um, defending somebody, and you know that he's going to win. Yep, exactly. It was the same way with the Disney uh, Disney shorts and uh, the films. Be- before you met Walt Disney, the man himself, what did you know about him? I'm, I'm I'm sure a lot was known about him, but what did you? What were your thoughts on Walt before you met him? Well, if I may open a very interesting sidebar. Yes, please. Of what went on during that time. Now today. If you want to know about Walt Disney, you would pull pull out your little phone and say to somebody on the phone, get me a biography of Walt Disney, you know, and away it would go, right? We didn't have anything like that. We had no idea who anybody was who we were working for. Not, not, not a clue. Mm-hmm. Now, Walt Disney, uh, I was brought up to believe from the time I was four years old, 
<clears throat> that the head of the studio was God, capital G, capital O, capital <laughs> B. It, it, they could never make a mistake. You would probably never see them in your lifetime. But they were the one that moved everything. And if you could only get to see them once, they might discover you. And and who were these heads that we didn't even know unless their name appeared? We had no idea of Paramount. We had no idea of RKO. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had an idea of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Thus were, were people's names. Disney, we had uh, Warner Brothers. But Columbia, Republic had no idea. I mean, you could be having a, a Slurpee with one of them right next to you. <laughs> and it, it was really off-balancing. So what I knew about Walt Disney was only his films. Okay. And the first time I met him, all I could think of was, he's the head of a studio. I have never, ever met the head of a studio before in my entire life. My, isn't he handsome? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and for for two times um, uh, that I met him, the third time, it suddenly dawned on me, and he's Walt Disney. Holy <laughs> smoke. So, you know, my, my I stood there just on the sidelines. They were very sweet to include me in to meet him. He had, uh, that is, Mark Davis and Jerry Geronimi, and unfortunately I cannot remember the cameraman's name. But they were very sweet. To, you know, they would call me over each time. And one time I, I spoke up, I had something to say. I never called him by his name because I, Mr. Davis, uh, <laughs> Mr. Disney sounded just too awful. Uh-huh. Um, Uncle Walt, no, I didn't even know that people called him Uncle Walt. <laughs> I had no idea what, what what was none of us did, and none of the mothers did either of the of the children. It was it was, uh, and if you got really nosy about it, the the um, you you might get thrown off the set. So it. It, it was very, very different. You were playing it by ear and in the dark. So that's about all I knew about Walt Disney. And he had the loveliest smile, mm-hmm. much trimmer than I, I thought. Mm-hmm. He looked much thinner than he was in the, a couple of photos that I had seen of him. And he was absolutely charming. You know how every now and then people ask you, what is one person you would love to meet throughout history, living or dead? Walt Disney has always been that answer for me, so that would have just been amazing just to have been in his presence like that. I've already done it, sir. <laughs> well, I am jealous. I am very, very jealous. <laughs> You're allowed. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> uh, it was um, it was a moment, and the other thing that was interesting was we were on working on stage one with a big psych halfway down the middle, well, all the way down the middle of the stage. It it cut the stage in half so that the lights could bounce off the psych that was, that I was acting in front of. And um, <clears throat> and I didn't have any words, you know, in the in the movie until mm-hmm. I got the job. Uh, I was cast as the red-headed mermaid. Yes. And then I got to voiceover work, which was just great. But anyway, at this time, we did not have to have a playback. So we kept the huge door open 
that the uh, that trucks could come in and out of the sound stage. So there we were on sound stage one, and I looked up and the sun was coming down through the opening and <clears throat> about oh I guess eight or ten men walked in and they cast shadows. You they were all in silhouette uh, and you know who you you knew one of them and that was Buddy Ebsen. Okay. He he walks funny, <laughs> he says, <laughs> and, and he did, and he was ahead of them. And they went over to work at the same time that we were working, and they were figuring out, I think you saw the picture in my book of the, uh, the there were risers, and then they had uh, um, mm, grids put up on the wall of the, of the soundstage, mm-hmm. and then Buddy Epson would stand in front of it and work at it, and then they would talk, and then he would work at it, then they would talk. And um, it turned out to be uh, they were working on the thing that turned out to animographics. Hmm. So I, I learned this, what, four years ago? Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> they didn't tell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> what was an animographic? Anyway, so the question is, why did Walt Disney, the, the head of the studio, get the soundstage, uh, st- soundstage one, all by himself? And the reason is that at that time at Disney Studio, they only had one soundstage. Oh, wow. And it was already booked for Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, who would think back at that time that Disney, that did all of that work, would only have one soundstage? Yeah. It, it's just, it takes you back to another time, a time where there was no internet, a time when you just sort of went blindly ahead. I mean, I had no idea who Mark Davis was when I went to see him. Yeah, he's one of the, uh, he's probably one of my, it's, he's my top five probably for favorite animators of all time. Oh, and should be. Yes, And yes. absolutely should be. Yes. This man was a genius. Uh, he told me he wanted. He showed me the pictures that he had sketched of Tinkerbell because all they had were line drawings. Uh, when I say all they had, that sounds pretty uh, condescending, mm-hmm. but it's it wasn't true. I was to take what they had there and give her. Let's just say the third dimension. Okay. Uh, and so one time he said to me. We want her to be very grumpy, upset. I think that was the word he used, or upset or whatever it was. And and uh, we want uh, her arms folded and very upset. And I said, how upset do you want her? And he took one of those pieces of paper, and I swear to you, it took him 30 seconds. And he had drawn Tinkerbell's face just what he wanted. <laughs> ah, and I thought, I wonder if I could get that. No, no, I better not ask. And... Uh, but I thought to myself, this man is a genius, an absolute genius. And he was so adorable. He was just the dearest, gentle man that you could ever meet. And he never pushed himself forward. He was the one who was always in the back row when they took the pictures of the nine old men. Mm-hmm. And when Disney allowed me to get photos, which I put in my book, um, I said, oh, I need a good picture of Mark Davis. And the only one that they really had of Mark Davis was sitting at his desk, and there was a a flash camera photographer, and he flashed it, and it reflected in the glass 
window right next to him. Hmm. So you will see that picture of Mark Davis sitting there, a young man, at his desk, and it's it cut off right at his at his uh, back because they, uh, you know, you couldn't. But he didn't have any other pictures. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very very just, humble. Just just very humble, huh? Very humble, and he. I think he drove his wife nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because because after he passed away, she was such his. She was his champion. Yeah. Uh, and which was great, and of course she's so brilliant. Alice is so brilliant in in artwork and all the other things in costuming. That have somebody like Alice, you know, as your champion, isn't that marvelous? It's amazing. I love that so much. Mm. Tell me about the very first sketch that he shows you. What did Tinkerbell look like? Well, <clears throat> what happened was that. Uh, let me go back just a tiny bit. Okay. I was uh, working at Fox at the time, uh, de- assistant dance director on uh, I'll Get By, and I got a call from my agent, can you get off tomorrow and go over? Uh, they're auditioning or interviewing, I should say, for an eight, a three-and-a-half-inch Sprite who doesn't talk. She's a fairy. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. I, I think I probably could. It's a Disney. It's a Disney! <laughs> Uh, you know, uh-huh. I, I will, even if I, you know, get upset, if they get upset with me. Of course, every felt, everybody felt that way. Everybody. It was just amazing. It was throughout Hollywood. So the next day I went over, and uh, the night before I had uh, set up a little pantomime to music of a little nine, ten-year-old boy fixing his breakfast and he drops the eggs that he was trying to to juggle and, you know, all this. And I took my little 45 player over. And you remember those, the 45 records? I do, with the I do. Holes? I still have some. And you know that, that um, I did one little bit for um, Mr. Davis because you called them Mr. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago it was, 67 years ago. Wow. And... Uh, he called down. Uh, he called to his office, Jerry Geronimi, who was the Uber director, the overall one of the overall directors of the movie, and uh, they they couldn't find a plug <laughs> to plug it in. These two guys got down on their hands and knees <laughs> and found a plug. You wouldn't found that any other studio in Hollywood. Uh-huh. No, sirree, that's Disney. So I did the the pantomime. They seemed to be very very pleased. And uh, they said, what we want you to do is we want Tinkerbell to uh, do the scene. And then he pointed to the the large um, animation papers that were all over the walls of different poses of Tinkerbell. And I got to stand there and look at all these and come up with an idea. Well, I knew that I was going to play her as if she were a nine-year-old little girl because, of course, in the James M. Berry book, he introduces her as about a nine-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. And even though she has curves and her, her figure is shown to best advantage, as it says in, <laughs> in the book. But I, I supposedly, there was a beer, you know, and I, I pantomimed uh, junk, jumping on it and looking at myself. And I thought, She's never seen herself in the mirror before. And that's the way I played it. Oh, wow. So that, that was your ideal then? 
they're all my ideas, really, based on what he wanted. Some of them were turned down, not many. But I was Tinkerbell. It was just 33 years later, Mark Davis, uh, 30 years later, Mark Davis and Alice Davis and I were having luncheon at Club 33, and I had said something really ridiculous. And Mark leaned over and said, Margaret, you are still Tinkerbell. (laughs) And I said, Mark, I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, except maybe, would it be convenient to come to work next Tuesday? That was pretty keen, too. (laughs) I love that part of the book. I know I love that. But it, it it was true. What I did was... Um, I'm quirky, and I have fun, and I've been blessed with the story. Do you remember the story of the of the twins and the psychologists were trying to figure out why they reacted to things differently? The little boys who were the twins. I don't think I did. And no. so they brought they brought them into a, a, a an office, and in one off in both offices that were apart, they had piled in manure up to almost the, you know, the window. And then they handed each one of the boys a shovel. And one of the boys said, now we want you to go in the shovel. I'm not going into that stuff. That is, so they handed it to the other little boy, and he says, let me at it. With all that manure, there must be a pony in there someplace. (laughs) And that's me. (laughs) There must be a pony in there someplace. Yeah. And that's Tinkerbell. Yes. Adventure Ho. So I think that that, he saw a lot of that in me. And uh, he brought brought storyboards down to the stage when we met there and would show me what he wanted Tinkerbell to do and where to hit her marks and what two poles were supposed to be the leaves on either side of a pathway, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I would be surprised the many times that I was there of a prop. And I never knew what they were asking for, but he just seemed pleased as punch because I would give an idea. And he said, love it, let's do it. (laughs) And I said to him one time, I said, Mark, you know, if I was smart, I would have messed up a few times. I still could have been working there. (laughs) He said, not you. You're ready for the next one. (laughs) Tell me about those props. I, I love those pictures where the giant scissors and the, the giant keyhole. Tell me about all those props you had to play with. <clears throat> well, the fun keyhole that I got first and I got used to props was the little keyhole. That's where she just her face is looking through. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, you know, that was easy. So the next time I went, here's this, this prop, which they made just a little too tall for me. I was on my tippy toes. If you look <laughs> at the picture, you will find that I was on my tippy toes for every time that they wound me into it. I could not get in or out by myself. It was three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and we would try this, we would try that. It, it was fun. I, I mean, I hadn't had that much fun in movies for a long time. <laughs> it was like playing with toys. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, I was very aware of how Tink should feel or what she should do. When I fell over backwards, they had this little thin mattress on it. You remember when she falls off the block? Yes, yes. Oh, she's laughing so hard. 
you could hear me all over the 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 sound stage. There was nothing between me and the sound <laughs> stage, and we always had two takes. So I asked if they could get something a little bit thicker. They didn't. <laughs> it didn't help <laughs> any. So I gave my all for Tinkerbell. Yep. And uh, the one with the scissors was a little more difficult because it was made out of, um, oh, dear, what is that kind of wood that you can carve easily and little kids make little houses out of them? Like, is it balsam wood? Uh, in, yes, okay. balsam wood. Or uh, at least it felt like it. Mm -hmm. it. It was the same thing. And I guess they were, now I'm five foot two. By the way, I went to the doctor a couple of days ago and found out I have not shrunk. Wow. I am still five foot two. Can good, you imagine? Anyway, you. back back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was supposed to be pulling on them, and then there was a, um, a crew uh, member who was pulling against me. But they were so, can you imagine pulling against balsa wood? Oh, yeah. And then I was supposed to, so I'm trying to dig my feels. As a matter of fact, I think that picture's in the book. It is, I'm also. looking at it right now, yep. Is it? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm trying to dig my heels in and pretending that, <laughs> I don't know whether it was, but I knew that Mark Davis was such a genius that he took what I did was, you know, although it was three-dimensional, it was still on film, which is two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And that man with his genius was able to make it almost three-dimensional in the film. He he was just amazing. Just amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, um, so we're going to try it again, see whether we can get some traction on it. And the crew member had changed where the rope was around his waist, and I didn't notice. And I pulled, and back I went, and I took him with me. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up in a pile, and then Jerry Geronimi came over to help, and he slipped. And we're down there, and we're laughing and giggling, as you can imagine. Nobody was hurt, no. It just it was just so funny. And, of course, we asked the cameraman if we could have that clip. And, no, we were outside the camera, oh. uh, a, a sideline, so we never got it. But it, that was the most difficult one. All the rest were... Just fun, a piece of cake. And, of course, the other thing is, if I may uh, intrude here. Of course. Um, that's not the word. If I may speak, here we go. <laughs> uh, that I'm a dancer. I have been since I'm four years old in our gang comedies. Right at the beginning of my book, I don't know how I kept those four pictures, of, uh, two pictures of me as a, as a four-year-old. I thought that was the greatest way for me to start my book because all I do to tell people about my book, I open it up to those two pictures. It, they're headshots from the May Company photo uh, department in 1933. Hmm. And I look adorable. You do. <laughs> and I say to them, and I say also often to the children who come up to my table, and they're not quite sure, you know, what's going on. I mean, I'll look at them and I'll say, I'm too tall to be Tinkerbell, aren't I? <laughs> you know, and they go, uh-huh. So I open up my book and I said, what were you doing when you were four years old? And their eyes get wide and they think how to answer. And I said, well, I was put to work. 
and then I turn over and show the picture of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and our gang. And then they sort of get it, and then I show them a couple of my photographs so they can see. Oh, and they're just bug-eyed. <laughs> but how I kept those two pictures all of these years, I will never know. Mm-hmm. I just think it's serendipity and a blessing. Mm-hmm. I agree. What about the time behind the mic? You said you voiced the uh, redhead mermaid, and uh, I believe you were next to uh, June Foray, right? Yes, I got a call. Uh, uh, do you have just a moment? I'll tell you about uh, a call also that I got from Mark Davis. Oh yeah, of course. Besides, he said I'm going to cast you. Would you like to to be one of the mermaids? And I said, of course, I would love to. And he says, we want you to do her voice too. I went, whoop de doo. Anyway. <laughs> Before that, I received two calls from Mark Davis earlier on and saying, you know, um, do you know anybody who can be the live-action model for Peter Pan? As good as an actor as Bobby Driscoll is, Mm -hmm. he really can't do the fight scenes and things like that. And I said, do I know who it is? Because I had just finished working with him at Fox, one of the greatest dancers I've ever been, and that's Roland Dupre. Uh, So I got them in touch with each other. Oh, they were so pleased. I think his picture's in my book, too. It is. I'm trying to find it. Yes, I'm trying to find it right now. It's a very amazing picture, the two of them together. So, and along with that, a little bit later, I get a call from Mark Davis, and I, I, I haven't gotten a call for the, for the Red-Headed Mermaid yet. And he said, Hans Conried has a, uh, another contract that he has to go to. Do you know anybody who can do Captain Hook? Same size, you know. I said, yes, I absolutely do, because I worked <laughs> with Henry Brandon in a movie called uh, Canyon City. And I, he, well, they got him, and he was just wonderful. So when uh, Hans Conry couldn't, so I'm feeling pretty good, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> two for two. And then, then uh, he called me up to do the Redhead Mermaid, and uh, we did the recording. June Foray and Connie Hilton were there. Now, if people don't remember who June Foray is, or the name sounds familiar. I'm sure that they have seen Rocky and Bullwinkle, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, uh, she was Rocky, and then Dudley Do-Right, his little Nell, which is my favorite, one of the favorites she did. But on top of that, they, w- they will remember the grandmother's voice from Mulan. Yes, yes. And I, I used to tease uh, June. <laughs> I said, well, you've done all these other voices that I love, but my favorite was the grandmother. <laughs> and that wonderful last line that you have in the picture, she looked she looked at me, so uh, looked up at me, because June was shorter than I really? am, believe it wow. or not. Yeah, she about four foot 11. <laughs> and she looked up at me, and I said, do you remember her line, which went, Betty, you should have brought back a man. <laughs> and we'd stand there laughing at each other. <laughs> so you remained friends with her over the years, right? Oh, yes. Aww. We did radio together, and we did uh, commercials and different things like that mm-hmm. over the microphone. And we shared the microphone because we were short. So. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and uh, of course, also June Foray to me made the, the, the second funniest 
record that was ever, ever made. Um, St. George of the Dragonette, uh, with the, and also she also made uh, Stan Freeberg Presents uh, the United States yeah, of America. I, I know that one, yeah. But I love, the, I love the one that she did. She played the princess. She says, oh, I saw the dragon. Oh, it was awful. He breathed fire on me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I met June uh, several times over at the Brown Derby. She had her own table there. And above her were, was a beautiful caricature of her by, I've forgotten the great caricaturist. <gasps> I've forgotten his name. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Anyway, uh, because she lived far out in the valley, she would go over to the Brown Derby. They would bring her the phone when the phone calls came in for her so she could go over to NBC or CBS and do a radio show. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Wow. So June and Connie and I decided once we we did the uh, slithering around, our, our legs were, were uh, taped up, so we had to slither all over the big rock. My beautiful, oh, you know, Disney gave me that that gorgeous picture of me as the red-headed mermaid uh-huh. up on the rock. Uh, and I got to start, I think, part six on that one. But uh, we we all decided, all three of us, why are we fighting for show business uh, gigs in front of the camera? <laughs> I mean, this is silly. We go at 1 o'clock in the afternoon when our voice is good. They give us a script. We don't have to learn any lines. If they don't like what we did, we did it all over again. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any makeup, any hairdo, any costume. And in about three hours, we go home. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we all sort of headed towards voiceover, which, of course, I love doing, yeah. with the Three Stooges and yes, yes. Charlie Weaver and, and uh, uh, Clutch Cargo, and, and it, it, it was just, it was great. What about the very first time you saw the complete version of Peter Pan? Well, um, you know what? It was in 1953 that I saw it. And I can't remember where I saw it. I've seen it so often since. But the big thing that moved me with the animation, of course, I'm, I'm always amazed. I don't care how many times I see it myself or see it with people. It is such a comedy. Mm-hmm. People forget that. And that's, I understand, from the powers that be that knew, Frank and Ollie yes. uh, animating... Smee and Captain Hook together yeah, and coming up with these gags that they had was uh, because, I mean, it's a frightening story. Captain Hook has his <laughs> hand cut off or bitten off. Come on. And, you know? and then there's that scene where he's supposed to shave his head off where you think he shaved his head off. Right. And how about <laughs> when they're going to drown Princess? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's it, and it, uh, I read the book to many, many people, or ask them please to read the uh, unabridged, and I read the in three different voices. I read Peter's voice, the narrator, and Wendy, mm-hmm. and one little line of Tinkerbell, uh, to to show how it was so different, and remember that Walt Disney only could pick out what he could really do. And his animators, who were known for craziness, 
just took it and ran with it. And the, the, the most solemn one in the whole group, I think, was Mark Davis. <laughs> he was busy making her very feminine, very sweet, and, and uh, intense. Because action that happened to her moved the whole story along. But the funny stuff that happened to Smee and Captain Hook really didn't. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, things happened to them. So he he took this this beautiful little character that he had designed, and of course you realize that no one, not no one, no how, no way, knew what she really looked like. Because in 1904, on the stage play, of course, she was of uh, light that danced yeah. around the stage. Yep. In 1911, when he wrote the book, uh, uh, of course, she's in the book. He just describes her. And then there was a movie made of her on all this fabric. Uh, and then the, they did, um, what's it, uh, what's it, what is her name, that wonderful musical that Mary Martin did. Yes. She wasn't there. Yep. So, so what does she look like? Hmm. And do you know that there were quite a few people at the studio who didn't think that he had come up with the right character? Really? Oh, yeah. And you asked me, what did I think when I first saw the, the movie? Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to talk about what did I think when I first saw Tinkerbell animated. Yes, yes. It was up on the third floor in the projection room. And it was crowded. <clears throat> now, I hadn't been on the lot. I wasn't under contract to the lot. I was called in for a daily contract when they needed me because I was doing a... a well, it turns out I was doing the lead in the first um, network show, a family, uh, a, a family show called The Ruggles, the first one that ABC ever did. So I'm on the first for ABC... <laughs> which is, of course, <laughs> Disney. Yep. But anyway, so I was doing that. I was also doing my own show on Channel 13, and I was doing radio station. Uh, so they would call me in when it was convenient for all of us to get together. So I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing people whispering behind me. You know? I mean, I mean, I, I was, I was ready to fight. <laughs> but you can't say this about Mark Davis. No, 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 no. And... Uh, this is, I digress for a moment. When you're 90, you do digression very well. So hang on. This is okay. part of the story. I'm sitting there, and there are people leaning up against the wall. And I hear a door open and close because I'm listening around to all of this. And I hear this voice say behind me, oh, here, Walt, take my chair. Take my seat. And, and you couldn't miss his voice. And he said, no, I'm fine. You were here first. And I'm thinking, the head of the studio, <laughs> and, you know, the other studios that I've been, they would have ribbons yeah. on four <laughs> chairs all set aside, and and the rest of the row you couldn't even get into, you know, you, you'd be, anyway, I just, I, so that quieted me down, and suddenly, suddenly up on the screen, the lights went down, and there she was, and it was a pencil test. Of where, and if you look at her, you will see that she is in the hat of of uh, Peter Pan. 
he has caught her. They're in the nursery, and he's going to take the spring, uh, the pixie dust that she has and sprinkle on the children mm. so that they can fly. And she is upset. She is grumpy. <laughs> and that was the picture that he drew for me, by wow. the way. Nice. Uh, you, know, you know, that we took off, and I want to know how grumpy. And I watched it, and they played it over and over and over. And I cried. Aww. And it was, it was just, it, and I kept thinking, that's me up there. Along with that, I did. That's me up there. He caught me on everything that I did with her. Hmm. Now, it's a tiny little scene, but it was the first one. And you could hear, hear murmurings. Yeah, yeah. That, mm, uh. You could hear this all over the room. And I went and got a uh, um, Kleenex out of my purse, you know, to wipe my And the mascara was all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so I waved to Mark as he was surrounded by people. And I went out the door to clean up the mascara, and I went home. But I thought, she is so adorable. Mm. Yes, and everybody thinks she is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, that's the first, that's when I really saw it up on the screen, that it hit me. What about the time, where were you when Walt Disney passed away? Where were you when you heard the news? I don't remember. I go so so little towards people passing away. Yeah. I am the personality that I love what Forrest Gump said. He said in the pic, you know in the picture yeah. he's looking at the grave of his wife and he said mama always said that death was part of life wished it wasn't. Yeah. Yep. And and so again I was doing 14 other things. They had gone way past uh, Peter Pan and all the other things that I had done. And, of course, my heart was there. I never really got connected to Disneyland. I was much more collected from the studio. They would call me over when they were planning this, and I would pose for them and do action and tell them what I thought about this, that, and the other. They actually, um, I think it was Peggy Holmes, or the producer just before her, when they were decided that they were going to um, come up with seven more fairies and do those Tinkerbell movies yeah, okay. that were going to DVD, mm-hmm. and what did I think about it? And uh, they explained to me what they were doing and how they were doing. Did you know that they were making two movies at the same time? That was amazing to me. Yeah. Anyway, um the fact that I, I didn't like the first one very much because they took all of her curves away. It was pre. It was a prequel. Yeah. And didn't make her. She looked more like a mermaid almost. <laughs> but the next, the next ones they did just fine. But they told me this story. They were not satisfied with the story. They really didn't know. So they called me in and they told me this wonderful story about the tree in Neverland. I thought it was delightful. Uh, for some reason, somebody turned thumbs down, but I was not involved, you know. Then they called me in and they said, we want you to see what we've done with the clips and hear the voiceover and hear the voice of Tinkerbell. And I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This is an older woman's voice that, that you're talking about. And I really do not remember who it was. Well done. 
but the voice itself was not right. And so I thought, you guys are going to have to re-record. Uh, you, you know, you know, <laughs> she sounds like Queen of the Fairies. <laughs> well, blah, 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 blah. Why they did it this way? I said, I got to tell you. Okay. You asked my, for my opinion. And then they showed me how it was going to work. But every one of those seven movies teaches a lesson. It's very, very subtle, but terrific. And uh, when people ask me about Tinkerbell and how I feel about I said, well, I was a little confused because I never thought of Tinkerbell living in a room. I never thought about her going to work nine to five, and I never thought about her having a supervisor. <laughs> but you know what? Why not? Why not? Maybe that's where she came from. Yeah. But the fact is that my favorite one is the one where uh, she finds her, her uh, sister. Yeah, that is a and, good one. Well, the reason being, of course, I was adopted. I found my family after 50 years. Wow. So that touched me. It really, really did. And I thought they were very well done. So I'm thinking, what are they going to do? Now, they didn't call me back on it because they were busy doing all these things on the first two that they did. Um, but they got Meg Whitman... And, of course, she was a delight to do the voice. Mm -hmm. And I sat up on, I did a panel with Meg, and she was so excited. <laughs> she, she, I thought she was going to jump out of her skin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the other thing was that they told me with the, uh, uh, what was I going to tell you? Uh, there was another, oh, they were not terribly with the storyline that they were going to finish up the second movie. And uh, Pixar had just been bought. Mm. And, of course, the head of everything was um, John Lasseter. So he was going to come over on a Tuesday morning, and they were nervous wrecks, at least the person I spoke to. You know, she was a drama queen herself, so <laughs> she may have been overstating it. But they're sitting there waiting for him to say, okay, let's close it. It says, does it work for me or whatever? Do you know what that man did, that creative man did? They said he sat there with them after he had seen what they had and what they were going, and he gave them four different brand new ideas. Just right then and there, four <laughs> new, brand new ideas. They were astounded. And he says, let me see what, you're, what you'll work on. I'll, I'll, see you, I'll see you in a month or whatever it is, and walked out. And this person said to me, they were sure that he was going to say, okay, let's close it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, it almost reminds me of what something Walt would do, you know? Yes! Creativity, creativity, it just... And when I go to... By the way, um, as I say, my book is called A Tinkerbell Talks, Tales yes. of a Pixie Dusted Life. And one of the things when I found my family... I found it because I had produced an animated short for the state of California. Serendipitously, I met somebody who was tracking down um, people's uh, families. Oh. But I also was in business and in marketing, and I had my own PR firm for a while. Oh, I don't think I would do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I know business. 
And so um, I go to uh, Chambers of Commerce, and I give a talk called The Company We Keep. I mean, if they want to write to my Facebook or to TinkerbellTalks.com and send, send me an email through Linda Swisher, who, who sort of looks after me on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk. I'll, I love to give talks to people, and I have two just absolutely incredible um, business talks that I give. I also just finished a Tinkerbell talk last week over to a Rotary Club huh. here in, I, I live in Glendale, it's just over here in Monrovia. I just love it. I love to talk about Disney. I love to talk about marketing. So it's TinkerbellTalks.com. If anybody thinks that they might like to have have the, or at least contact me and see whether we can work it out. Yes, that would as you be can good. tell, ladies and gentlemen, and my my nice host can tell, I am a talker. I know that it's hard for you to believe, but I can talk <laughs> a lot. <laughs> And like you said, I could not recommend this book more. And it's for sale on your website as well. So I highly recommend it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, I I just, oh, one other thing about the book. I wrote it to entertain, believe it or not. Not just to tell my story, Mm -hmm. but to entertain. So I think there is no chapter that's longer than eight pages. Yes, that's right. Some of them are one page. And what I did was each chapter has a beginning, a middle, and an end. As my friend said, a couple of them had a beginning, a muddle, and an end. But that <laughs> he's, he's still my friend. Anyway, <laughs> so you can pick up the book any place and read a funny chapter, a complete story. So it's not a, a, a memoir that says, and then Aunt Tilly came. You remember Aunt Tilly from Chapter 3? Mm-hmm, and of course true. you don't. That's true. <laughs> so I just wanted to let people know, it's a fun read. And you know, one and, of my other favorite pages was where you talked about the uh, myth of Marilyn Monroe um, being the uh, inspiration for Tinkerbell. Oh, that's because right. for years, I, I, right. I've heard that for years when I was little. Sure. And it it makes sense. Intuitively, it makes sense. Because she did so many of movies later on as uh, the the blonde bombshell or whatever you want. I mean, she was fabulous. She was just fabulous. And she has, you know, these these, uh, uh, wonderful figures for Tinkerbell. She was under contract to Fox at the time, and they were just getting used to the idea that they had a new sensational star. So they were not going to loan her out to Disney <laughs> every once in a while to do live action. I mean, come on. Yeah. The second part is, if you really watch the movie and watch Tinkerbell closely, everything that Tinkerbell does, even her walk, it's a ballerina's walk. Yeah. She rolls her feet and she uses her hands like a ballet dancer. And her turns are like a ballet dancer. And when she bends over, it's like a ballet dancer. Well, when we did um, Peter Pan, which was it, it premiered 65 years ago, um, Marilyn Monroe was not a dancer. I worked with Marilyn. We got pictures of each, We took pictures, snapshots of each other on my little brownie camera. And that, oh, that's in the book. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yep. And... Uh, 
I just thought she was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen, next to Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, yeah. Uh, they were as different as night and day, but beautiful and so sweet and so adorable. Uh, and I just know from from her career that Marilyn could have done anything. Mm-hmm. She was that good at everything. Of course, we know Elizabeth Taylor was. Yep. <clears throat> but then we also know that Margaret Carey is, so that works, <laughs> right? It does. Am I right? It sure does. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I yes, and I have a picture of the snapshots that we took, and so help me, I saved those, too. Of course. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. But it's fun. It's there. And if you really want to have fun, you really want to go back in time and space. Uh, when you talk about Marilyn Monroe uh, being the, uh, I think from, probably the fans of Marilyn Monroe have finally given up on that one. I don't blame them. I understand why they want it to be. But I also, uh, I was out working and doing animation and producing animation, not paying much attention to, to what was going on. Um, my kids were playing trivia. And one of the cards they were in their late teens, I guess, and they were looking at the cards, and the question was, who was the uh, uh, live-action model for Peter uh, for Tinkerbell? They turned it over, and there in print said Marilyn Monroe. Uh. Well, my daughter, Christina, had had enough. <laughs> my, I have a little one, and I have a middle one, Christina, and then an older uh, Eric, who uh, was a producer of animation. He's retired now. But anyway, so she got uppity. And she's the one who takes the bull by the horns, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So she uh, got the name of um, Dave Smith over at Archives, wrote him a letter, and explained that it was my mother, Margaret Carey, who did that, not Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) And he sent her the nicest letter back and said, of course, it was Margaret Carey. And you know what? I found that at the bottom of my files. So it's printed in the back pages of the book. Wow. I know, with his signature. Now, on on top of that, as many people know who love Disney, um, that... Uh, the encyclopedia was done by Dave Smith, the several encyclopedias. Right? Mm-hmm. So you could keep track of who, the, on every one of them, with a little blurb about Tinkerbell under T. <laughs> it says, Tinkerbell, uh, Marilyn Monroe was not the model, the live action model for uh, Tinkerbell. Margaret Carey was. Yes. Et cetera. And Peter Pan is such and such a date. So it's in all the encyclopedias, too. <laughs> and and it's, it's just such fun. And somebody said to me one time, don't you get tired of going to all these shows and talking to all these people about Tinkerbell and, you know, and Disney and so on? I mean, you've done it for a long time now. And not that I want you to stop. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking you. And I, I said, no, uh, two things. One, I love to see the look on the faces of children when their pe- parents are trying to explain that I'm the live-action model <laughs> for Tinkerbell. <laughs> that is very, very funny. And the second part of it is, if you could say, uh, James M. Barry, 
Peter Pan, Disney, Mark Davis, Tinkerbell, and Margaret Carey, all in one sentence. Mm. What's to be tired of? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fabulous. So um, I've just been blessed. I have been blessed. And uh, anybody wants, I'm 90, so I don't get around to sending stuff back or write. So be patient. I I really give it the old college try. Oh, that's another story in my book. When I went back to college when I was 35 years old in 1965, at the time when all the campus riots Mm -hmm. were going on, LACC, well, we had somebody who was getting his check from the Chinese communists to start a riot at LACC, and he wasn't able to. So the our our um, student body decided we knew who he was, a nice fellow. So we decided to put a riot on in his behalf. And uh, he had just come back from Venezuela where the Chinese had paid him. And, you know, he's looking around, and I went up to him, and I said, Rashidi, he said, what you want? He said, I want you to be by the flagpole uh, next Friday at uh, 2.15, and we'll have a riot for you. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Of course you do, but that's beside the point. You just be there, and we will have a riot going for you, and you can take pictures, and everything will be fine. So, oh, you know, Simon, he was nine foot seven, I, I do believe. <laughs> anyway, comes fri- comes Friday. Sure enough, we have all these students who are I I would imagine close to a hundred, maybe a little less. And here's Rashidi dragging a, fol- a gray folding chair. He's going to walk up to the flagpole. That's where you had all of the talks, and he's chatting with us. And out on the street on on um, uh, what, Virgil, that's the name of the street. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Hoover. Uh, comes up a station wagon that says on the side, Eyewitness News. Mm. And out of the back of the station wagon climbs a guy with a big heavy camera he's going to put on his shoulder. Rashidi unfolds the chair, jumps up, and starts haranguing us, yelling at us. We're yelling back. We're going back and forth. We had a little... uh, uh, Asian lady to throw a little half rock through a window of a building we knew they were going to demolish. <laughs> and the man comes over and takes pictures of all of this and yeah, 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 you know, so on and so forth. He gets the names of a few people and he goes back and he gets in the station wagon and we all drift away to our jobs and we were, we led the news that night. That's <laughs> on amazing. <channel> seven. Wow. <laughs> but that's how I went to college. <laughs> oh man, that's so that's amazing. what I mean with fun stories. Yeah, no, it's filled with amazing stories. Every page, I learned so many amazing things. Three Stooges, Lone Ranger, it was incredible. <laughs> and, and great fun, it's yeah. great fun. And I'm still going. I just signed a deal. I'm headed in October. Well, the next place I go to is to Tennessee, and then I go right over, no, Kentucky, and then I go right across in the next five days to Fandom Fest okay, yeah. in um, Missouri. And then I just signed to go and do a big Comic-Con show in um, Alamo in uh, San Antonio in October. I've got about 10 of them lined up. Yeah, I'm on the website right now. Are you right talking now. about it? 
wouldn't Tinkerbell have? I mean, she would just have. Well, she's having a blast. <laughs> Everybody remembers her, knows her, loves her. Yep. Is there any like really close date you wanted to promote? I see you're going to be in the uh, Raleigh SuperCon, July 26th yep, to the 29th. Yeah, that's the next one. Yeah. I'll be there. And then I'm going also up to Andy of Mayberry, up to Mayberry Days, up in, also in, um, up in, what's it called? Mount Airy. Okay. I travel, I travel all over because I was also in the Andy Griffith Show. Yep. And... May I tell you something? Of course. I'm getting more famous and more famous and more famous. You know why? Why? <laughs> there are only five of us who appear to oh. the shows that are still alive. Oh, man, that's amazing. <laughs> and wow. we go out there. I tap dance on stage. And uh, they go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Am I having fun? <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. It, it's, it's lovely. No, I think, I think the Raleigh, North Carolina one is the next one. And uh, then I have one in the summertime. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's your job. That's your I'm job. I'm going to put You've links. Put I'm going to put links on the website and the show notes so people can check that out for sure. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I'll also link. I'll also link your book as well, so people can go directly to your site and and buy it. Oh, you're just a dear, and I'm so glad that you like my book. Yes, yeah, And great. I'm so glad that you love Disney, and I'm so delighted that you extra special love Tinkerbell. <laughs> That's important. It is. Because it is. she is an, an icon that says, enjoy, enjoy, go to the positive side. I saw a cartoon the other day with uh, Dennis the Menace, mm -hmm. who had st struck a hole in the wall in his house, by throwing a, a heavy ball. Uh -huh. And the dad is looking at it, and Dennis is looking at the hole in the wall, and Dennis says, but think of the fun we're going to have when we fix it up. <laughs> That's Tinkerbell. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Margaret. So uh, shall, I, shall I send you faith and trust in a whole bunch of pixie dust right now? Oh, uh, yes, please. Okay, and I'm going to leave you with this head scratcher. Why do you think that James M. Barry named Tinkerbell Tinker. I will leave you with that. You'll have to find out for yourself, folks. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's going to be fun to find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dear. Margaret's I'm going to say blessings all over you now and your, and your listeners. It's important. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks. <laughs>